It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to episode 111 of the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast, the shitty fight card to my UFC pay-per-view, my co-host, Nick Braccia. How are you, my friend? Hello, Stan. Whoa, that is a lot, a lot of energy. Yeah, I've been drinking proper 12, hanging out with, uh, hanging out with Connor, doing some, he's doing rehab on his leg. I'm getting his pina coladas. Is that the only kind of uh, rehab he's doing? Because I feel like he could use a different kind of rehab, if you know what I mean. I don't, I don't know. He was on a, he was on Instagram while in a car from the airport. I looked like yesterday. I'm just like, man, if I was at Conor McGregor and I'm in a car from the airport, I would be, I would be enjoying my time alone, not like talking to 13,000 morons on Instagram, which is how many people had tuned in. He needs but anyway. 13,000 morons to give him compliments. But I do have a question for you. Since you're over there getting drunk with Conor McGregor, like how drunk do you have to get for the taste of proper 12 whiskey to, to not be there anymore in your mouth? I don't know. I do it. I do what I used to do when I was a bartender, and people wanted me to do shots. Which is when they go to drink, I fl- I fling the shot over my shoulder. That is very smooth. I didn't realize you were that smooth in your twenties, there, Nick. Good for you, buddy. Yeah. So I mean, you the- hold the, you hold the, you hold the cup. You just let the liquor go out, and if it's dark enough, no one notices because they're a drunk and busy drinking their own drink. That makes a lot of sense. Very cool. So they would buy you drinks, Nikolai. Is, is that is that how this works? They would buy me drinks, and I would fling them over my shoulder. Very yeah. cool. Awesome. Nick, we are going to breeze right through it, right? We had a couple of weeks off, a couple of weekends with no UFC card. The last one we broke A turbo with- show. We're going to do this show at flyweight speed. It's going to be like watching... It's going to be like watching Alexander Pantoja and Brandon Royville scramble. That's what this, that's what this episode's going to be like. It's going to be like listening to us, our normal voices, except on 1.5 or maybe even 1.75. That sounds about right. And, and Nick, uh, I do have to break this news to you. Once again, I edged you out in the last event. Uh, my, Did you? Yeah, I ended up with five correct picks and you ended up with four correct picks. Your 71.5 points improved to 75.5. Uh, my total went from 77 to 82 from that last event, Nikolai. So we are at this point, let me see, five and a half points. Uh, I'm five and a half points ahead of you. It sounds like possibly six, six and a half points ahead, Nick, which I'm pretty happy with. I feel like that's a, that's a good spot it's to fine. be in. Whatever. You're, you're I'm six and a half underdogs. inches ahead. So. In like what area? Waist size? Sorry, I didn't hear it. What? 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 Ooh, <laughs> you fucker. What an asshole. Oh my God! You're sitting. You're sitting there with your your Jean-Paul Gaultier tank top or whatever that is that I see. I don't know why you're borrowing Lauren's clothes, but Nick, if it fits, I wear it. Doesn't matter whose it is. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, let, let's let's get into this card, Nikolai. According to my understanding, let me quickly see which one of us has the next pick. You had as your first pick the last event you chose, Jose Aldo. I believe that was your first pick, Nikolai. Am I mistaken? Uh, I. Yeah, I think it was my first pick, and it was correct, gosh darn it. It was. It was a damn good pick. I, I, I got to give you credit for that. Jose Aldo still looks pretty spectacular against limited opposition in a three-rounder, right, regardless of their style. I'd love to see that. I wouldn't call them limited opposition. I would say, I would say you know, semi-elite competition or, like, the worst of the elite. He's, he's really, really good. So it, it, seems um, to, it seems to me like it is my first pick based, uh, based mostly on the fact that you picked Jose Aldo and I was shocked by it and that was your first pick. Um, I am going to take 
Oh, you, that's right. You would have lost, except you cha- You texted me at the last minute and were like, I switched my pitch to Luke. I switched my pick to Luke. I switched my pick to Luke. Yeah. Little fucking jerk. Wait, I'm but sorry. But I was also N- right Nick about T. Oh, wait, wait. Uh-huh. You know what? I'm going to talk some more smack. Fuck you. Okay, ahead, I was also ahead. correct about the tiny tornado Tista Torres uh, you defeating your girl Angela Hill. You were you were absolutely yeah, right the, about the, that. Yeah, the shit that I got wrong was like Casey Kenny got beat by Yadong Sung. Not blown out, of course. No, not but blown I out. You also got you also got uh, Carolina Kowalkowicz wrong, and I picked Jessica Penny. Yeah, Penny in that one. She got I mean, dominated. come. There's no there's there's no winners there. That was just there a was cr- a clear it's, winner, Nick, by a very very. I know, combo. but you we're not dealing with two elite fighters, and you you were correct in assuming that she was completely done based on a disease that I didn't know that she had. So good on good on you for for breaking the doctor client privilege and finding out what Carolina Kowalkowicz's physicians had to say about her. So I don't know where you get your information from, but as long as you can sleep with yourself, and, well, you do sleep with yourself at night. As long as you can wait, <laughs> as long as you can live with yourself <laughs> and go to sleep at night, or both of those things, fine. Nick, what, whatever, you. whatever helps you feel better about being six and a half points ahead of me after losing three seasons straight, Nick. Uh, whatever makes you feel good, bud. I just feel like at this point you're usually like rallying. You're usually catching up to me, and I'm not gonna lie to you, Nick. Lately, you've been lagging a little bit, and uh, yeah, but it's they're 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 like razor close split decisions where I'm losing on one fight, and there's always like a something very very close or controversial in that. But whatever. Sure, but they add up, to, don't they? Let's Nick? just they get add to up, and that's why I'm quite a bit ahead. I'm not just one or two fights ahead. I am six and a half. Points ahead, six and a half fights ahead. That's In fact, I'm probably three. more like ten or eleven fights ahead. But because you've been really, really good at picking underdogs, Nikolai, uh, you have been able to catch up on the points. But I do have like significantly more uh, picked winning fighters than you do at this point. Let's oh, congratulations! Picks. Something for your tombstone. Fuck you. What's your first pick? Thank you. I'm so, I'm so glad I got you riled up as I'm about to make my first Nick. I'm not riled up. <laughs> all right, all right. My first pick, Nick, is going to be. I think I've got to go ahead and take my man Alexander Pantoja uh, as he's facing huh. Brandon Royval. You might even disagree with me on this one, Royval. I know, you, eh. like you picked him against the current champ Brandon Moreno, which is literally crazy talk. I disagreed with you then. I, I still feel like he didn't have much of a shot on that one, even if it were not for the injury. Royval is pretty dangerous standing, right? He he like throws some crazy stuff. The only thing really dangerous about him is his spinning back elbow on the feet, but on the ground, pretty crafty with the submissions. I would say that's where he's most dangerous. Pantoja hits harder standing, more technical standing, which is something because Pantoja isn't usually the more technical fighter in most of his matchups standing up. But more importantly, Pantoja is probably the better wrestler. He's physically stronger, and he's going to have the significant advantage in ground game, not necessarily to just submit Brandon Royval in a round or two, but to clearly control him and to take top position when he wants it. So I like Pantoja here big. Yeah, I mean, I think Brendan Ravel is still learning. He's still coming up. It's just, it's a tricky division because even though I think he's got a ton of potential, I don't think someone at his level in any other division is ranked number seven. <coughs> so I think he's, I think he's up against, you know, with seventeen career pro fights, up against a guy with twenty-eight. But I feel like he's. I, I would just I wish that I wish that there was. Listen, Brendan Ravel is not getting the Sean O'Malley ladder of like noobs and cans and, no. and has-beens and stuff so i just think he still has some holes in the game he could he could catch a sub he could catch a submission against Pantoja, who got subbed by davis and figueredo in the time it took me to make the to like talk about your pick but um i i'm i'm fine with it i'm fine with this pick it would i would have held it off till later but i think ultimately i would have gone with, with uh pantoja got it what's your first pick buddy uh well first i want to look at the odds on that fight real quick okay right Roy, Roy plus 150 but i wouldn't I wasn't gonna jump in and take that 
it just seemed a little little too dangerous to me. Oh uh, man, there's so many there's so many interesting fights. There's um, I'm gonna go with the fight that I feel sh- most certain about, and that's actually the main event if you can believe it. And I'm gonna pick against the guy I've always loved to pick because I don't really see a path to victory for Kelvin Gastelum in this fight. You I don't just see don't. A path, We've, Nick? That's crazy. No. Talk. It's I one don't, thing to not pick I, him. Tell me more, please. Cannon, Cannoneer, you know, he doesn't have a Corey Anderson chin. Like, Jared Cannoneer has a good chin. Yeah. He's, been, he's been in there with heavyweights. He's been hit by Glover Teixeira. He's been hit by, he's been hit by guys, uh, maybe, maybe not quite with the hand speed, but he's been hit by guys who punch harder. He's been hit by heavyweights. Um, he's a good... You know he's big and strong. He's much. He's much much bigger than Gaslam. We're talking about a guy that should be a welterweight, okay? Fighting a guy who was, who who was a heavyweight and didn't do an Anthony Johnson and, and like cut down to the point where he makes himself sick. He really changed his complete physiology. He does have. He has a. He has a frame that can support middle. That that were middleweight works. He previously used to just be a dude that carried a lot of a lot of fat and like muscle he didn't need. I think that. Um, I think Cannoneer's uh, power is going to give Gastelum pause. I don't think Gastelum's going to be able uh, to wrestle him, and Gastelum doesn't have um, the number, doesn't have the arsenal or the collection of combinations that uh, that Robert Whitaker has. He's very, very predictable. So I just see Cannoneer being just too much fighter, too much fighter for Ga- for Gastelum, who is still good, very good at what he does, right? Like throwing throwing a fast one-two, um, a good, you know, a, pr- a pretty good uh, offensive wrestler, not a great defensive one. Um, I just I just think Gastelum's going to be outgunned here over five rounds. Also, frankly, even though Cannonier the, is the bigger-bodied guy, I have more concerns about Gastelum's gas tank over five rounds. That's interesting you say that because Gastelum is the one with multiple fights of five-round experience, whereas including his last fight against Whitaker, whereas Cannoneer, I don't think he's ever actually fought to five rounds. Um, I don't know if he's ever been scheduled to begin with, but I'm fairly confident he's never actually gone more than three rounds in his career thus far. So the fact that you're giving Cannoneer the edge in um, conditioning is... I actually forgot I actually forgot that Cannoneer Whitaker wasn't a main event and it was only three rounds. Yeah. So that was... Yeah, um, if I remember correctly, Cannonier didn't look great in that third round. I think it was that second round where he, where he had a. Well, his arm, he, he got his no, his arm, his arm was broken in the third round. By the third round, you're right. He really did get kind of roughed up. The orbital bone broken, if I'm not mistaken, plus the arm was broken. Robert Whitaker, let's not kid ourselves. He put it on him, and Robert Whitaker did it knowing that he only has three rounds to do it, right? He doesn't have to temper his energy as much as he had to against Gastelum. And, man, he was kind of dominant against Gastelum. It seemed to me like he hurt him with a head kick in the first round, and... Essentially, Gastelum wasn't the same guy. He was able to get takedowns on him much easier. He was able to time him, and Gastelum just didn't have the confidence to compete with him, even though I thought Gastelum's gas tank looked overall good for five rounds, whereas Cannoneer got just purely outcrafted by Gastelum. He, uh, by, no, excuse me, by Whitaker. By Whitaker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he landed plenty of leg kicks. It didn't seem to have much of an effect, and I think that might be a factor in this matchup. Like I mentioned, both guys are coming off of losses to uh, the former champion Whitaker. Both were a couple steps behind him, tactically, uh, throughout their respective fights, right? Kelvin would have, will have the better hands in that they're faster. Um, he's able to cover distance well, but you're right in that he's predictable. It's pretty consistent jab crosses. It's the reason that Darren Till was able to 
pretty easily avoid most of Calvin Gastelum's offenses because you know exactly what he's going to do standing up. You're going to get a jab. You're going to get a jab cross. You're going to get a cross. You might get the occasional left kick from that southpaw stance. That's really all you have to worry about, um, except for takedowns. And that's an area that I think is interesting because Cannonier doesn't have the best takedown defense, man. Like, he's been taken down by a lot of opponents, including in matchups in which he's won. He's been taken down multiple times. That's a way for Kelvin to win this fight. Kelvin, we know that he's willing to go for takedowns now more than ever. We know he has the wrestling background, right? So the fact that you're saying Kelvin has no way to win this fight between his conditioning, five-round experience advantage, and the fact that he has wrestling is kind of nuts to me. But I do think... He has wrestling. I don't, I just, I don't think Cannonier is a... I don't think Cannonier is like... A pushover with his with his defensive wrestling, and he's also enormous. He kind of is. Like he's not he, going to go. Uh-huh. Like I don't think Gaslam's going to go through him like he did Ian Heinish with those takedowns, where he could just turn the corner and and push him. You know. Well, it's, it's, down. it's true that Cannoneer is probably is bigger. It's true that he's probably physically stronger than is uh, Ian Heinish. Ian Heinish, right? But Kelvin, I, I would I would rate their takedown defense is very similar between Cannoneer and what's it called? Like, he, he, Cannoneer gets taken down quite a bit outside of that Whitaker fight in which Whitaker tried a few takedowns, which I think were mostly just to mix things up. I don't think you actually needed to get takedowns in that matchup. Um, you know, he was he's not a great takedown defender, and it's been a couple of years since he fought prior to uh, Whitaker, so maybe he has in these last couple of years really improved his takedown defense, and I think that'll be a major factor here. Um, I'm giving the slight edge to Cannoneer because I think that his damage will build up. I think you're right in that he's more durable than Gastelum, even though Gastelum has, uh, on paper, at least better conditioning, more five-round experience. So I'm going to agree with you on the pick, but not nearly as much confidence, Nick. I, I think your level of confidence is kind of shocking. It's almost as if like you expect him to walk well, through. So, that's a what? Last week I did. You said the same thing around Aldo. You're I right. don't expect him to You're walk through. Right. I'm right. just I'm just doing the math on outcomes. Fair. And I feel and pretty. I feel. I, I'm con- yeah. I'm I'm going where my confidence is. This is exactly the same as my Aldo. Um, Pedro Munoz pick. Fair enough, and it was which 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 proved to even be more correct than I thought it would be. Well, I mean. Are you going to take credit for being more correct than you thought it would be? Well, it, I didn't. I, I didn't, I didn't think it would be as. Di- I, di- it. I didn't think it would be. Di- I thought the third round would be would be Munoz, <laughs> not Aldo styling. I hear that. Yeah, that's I, I think the damage that Aldo uh, built up. Over you the said the same thing. You, you were like, "Oh, Aldo's can fight her for a round and a half. Aldo can fight for a round and a half." And then, but he fought for three rounds, Dan, proving you and the rest of the world wrong. No, look, there's no doubt that Aldo can fight for three rounds, and I mentioned that in the breakdown, right? For in a lower pace fight, Munoz was not doing what he does to most opponents against Aldo because he's gotten more technical. This is a matchup in which that's the last thing he wanted to do was go technique for technique with Aldo. It's a matchup in which he needed to pressure Aldo and make it a dirty fight, make it so that he takes damage in the first round, but Aldo's exhausted at the end of it because of all the damage that Aldo had to avoid and take and all the offense that Aldo had had to put out in defense, right? He didn't do that. He was trying to be technical with him. That was a huge mistake, and that's why he lost the fight. Um, but I, I agree with you. I underestimated Aldo. In a lower pace fight, man, he will outcraft these three-rounders all day. I just expected, uh, I expected Munoz to make it a dirty, grimy first couple of rounds that would make Aldo exhausted. He didn't do that. So, your are dirty and grimy. I, I'm, I think I'm going to take that as a compliment, although I'm not sure. The tone of your voice makes me feel like it, that was it's like uncomfortable it, to hear that from me, quite frankly. It, it, was, it wasn't a compliment. Go ahead, next. All right, fair enough. Be that way. So my next pick is going to be in the. I'm going to take. I'm going to draft Brian Kelliger onto my onto my pick list. Nikolai over Domingo Pilarte. Um, Kelliger should have his way standing or on the ground, in my opinion. Pilarte's tall, but he's got heart, but not much durability. Not a whole lot in the way of technique. Kelliger could get a takedown. Probably will get a take. Um, 
probably will get a submission by the first or second round here. Uh, Domingo, 0-2 in the UFC, and he had to have a comeback win in the Contender Series. So I'm just not a big believer, whereas Kelliger is like a lifelong fan that plied his trade, paid his dues, lost his first couple of UFC bouts, and then has really been putting his game together since. So I, I like Kelliger big here. Yeah, I'm with you. I feel like he's probably going to grab a neck. Yep. Guillotine is his specialty. I think it's a great matchup for it. Um, all right, so Kelleher, let me make that make a note. Kelleher to Stan. My next pick is, I think, based on his improved uh, improved boxing um, and the fact that he he's had pretty uh, competitive fights against better uh, better opponents since he's returned uh, to the UFC. I'm going to go with uh, Chase the Vanilla Gorilla Sherman over. Uh, Parker Porter, who you seem to like to poke, uh, pick, poke. You pick Parker Porter, poke. Peter Parker. Wait, just Parker what exactly Porter. are you accusing me of here, Nikolai? <laughs> Parker Porter. <laughs> I'm picking against. I'm picking. I stand with Peter Parker and picking against Parker Porker. Wait. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to cut you off right there. <laughs> I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Chase Sherman. I, think, I just think he's a better bar- boxer than uh, the Connecticut. Uh, trained Parker Porter, you know what, Nick? Uh, who I still, who I still, don't th- who I still think is barely, kind of barely UFC level. I was going to pick Parker Porter actually next, Nikolai, because I see the value of plus one sixty. Sherman is faster. Uh, he hits pretty hard. I agree, and Parker Porter can be hittable, but there's a big difference between the uh, Kyle uh, or. Chris Dawkins, who beat Parker Porter in his UFC debut, and Chase Sherman. There's like a notable difference, right? They're both fast, to be fair. Both fairly athletic, but Chase Sherman is not is not that guy. Um, there's a chance he can catch him and overwhelm him, to be fair. But I think Parker Porter, in that second or third round, he can start to take over. Uh, if he does have a f- slow first round with Chase Sherman's speed becoming a factor. Um, I was going to pick Parker Porter as an underdog. I'm going to disagree with you on this one because uh, I see the value there. But... You know, it's a close fight on paper. I'm surprised that the odds are this wide apart. Maybe I'm missing something with fucking Chase Sherman. I know he, like, somewhat competed with Andre Arlovsky and beat some really shitty opposition, but I I don't really see all the hype. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Vince Pichel and Austin Hubbard, Nick. I happen to think that Austin Hubbard, who's crafty, right, he's got a lot of heart, not super athletic, doesn't have great takedown defense, not a great defensive ground game, right, but... If you are somebody who's going to get tired against him, he will drum you up. He's used to feasting in the UFC on guys who just don't have the experience, the craft, and the conditioning to do well against him past the first round. But he almost always loses that first round neck. And Vince Patel, he's a dude that might have a slowish first round, which Austin does as well. But we know Vince Patel is going to pressure. We know he's going to go for takedowns. We know he's got some pretty high-level experience, especially compared to Austin Hubbard. I actually think Pichel at minus 108 is worth a bet. I also think Parker Porter at plus 160 is worth a bet. I think Brian Kelliger and Alexander Pantoja should go into some parlays. I think there's some opportunities here, Nick. I don't know why you just want to like throw away your mortgage. By... Anyway, that's your decision. You want to live that kind of lifestyle. Um, <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going with Pinchel also. Let me just put that down. You picked Pinchel, didn't you? I did. Vince Pinchel. Yeah. Yeah, I like Hubbard. I'm going to go... I'm gonna. I'm, this is probably asinine, but I no. You know what? I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna be that crazy. I'm not 
going to take that level of insane risk at this stage when I don't have to. I take too many, I take too many Hail Marys. Um, None of us have any idea what you're talking about, just for the record. uh, All right, then edit it the fuck out. I will not edit it out. I want everybody Um, to hear how lost you were during this, the making of this pick. I'm going to go with a fighter who uh, let me down uh, big time last time. Who's, who's, uh, the ultra-powerful William Knight. I'm going to pick him to defeat the Joe Lowe's untrained uh, Fabio Charant. I'm in agreement with you there, Nick. I'm on the same page. I lo- Talk to me. Yeah, I just, I think, I think that, you know, what we've, what we've learned about Knight is he's still green. He's incredibly powerful. Um, but I don't, I don't think that, um, Charant's level of ex- level of experience and age and sort of thing is the kind of is has the kind of craftiness or submission expertise that's going to be able to um, put Knight in a compromising compromising position. Yeah, I, I'm I'm largely there with you. The thing about Claire, uh, Charon, Fabio Charon, I, I like to pronounce these names that I assume are French, Nick, in a French way, even though I clearly yeah, he's from Massachusetts. He, he's fighting. He, he's fighting out of Massachusetts. He's born in the United States, but I assumed it was Charant also. Yep. Um, he has crisp boxing, but lacks like kind of backs himself up against the against the fence, which I think will be an issue against Knight, who's going to pressure him. Knight is super raw, but he's athletic and strong, and I think like he's going to have enough wits about him to take Charant down. He has a good chin. I don't expect Charant's to just like get rid of him in the first few minutes like he did um, his three fights prior to his UFC debut. So I'm there with you on uh, William Knight, I, I think. I mean, also, to be fair, Knight kind of got thrown to the wolves a little bit. I mean, Daun Jung is like, I mean, he's I really good. I agree. And there's a big difference between Daun Jung and Fabio Chiron, in my that's opinion. My, Daun Jung is a that's, real that, that was my, good that, fighter everywhere. That was my point. Thank you for saying it for all the people who wouldn't have been able to understand it. Because, okay, you can, tr- you can continue to translate my brilliant insights as we continue. You can call them brilliant insights. I'm going to call them semi-English that I have to explain for people. <laughs> that's only because you're. That's not your first language. Go ahead. It's literally my second language, and I still speak it better than you. I would be concerned if I, I don't. I'm just saying. I don't think that's true. Do you even speak Italian, Nikolai? Buffangul. That's close enough. That, that works for me. Yeah. Uh, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between. This is where it gets more difficult for me. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Clay Guido to beat Marco Matson. I think oh, Mar- there it is. Um, I think Marco. It, that was. <laughs> what were you saying? That was going to be the one that you uh, that was, that you missed out on, right? That That's was my. That, yeah, I mean, I think we're we're. It's as much as I dislike you. Um, we were we're totally we're no one else agrees with this here. Like topology is 84 percent for Madsen. I think you you and I probably both see the same path to victory here for Guido. Why don't you tell the people how it's going to happen? Absolutely. Here's the thing, Madsen is athletic. Super strong, very explosive, right? But in his, he's in his mid-30s, and he's mostly just a wrestler with a hard right hand. Trains with guys like Nazarat Hakparas, although I heard that he was in the States, I think maybe at the MMA lab, if I'm not mistaken, for this training camp. Hits hard, 
because he's explosive, but there's no real depth to his striking game. His gas tank usually goes by the second round, the middle to end of the second round, and that's where I think it'll make a difference here. Craig Guida is also a good wrestler, right? Defensively, should be decent enough to avoid most takedowns, possibly work his way to his feet if he needs to in the first round, but let's say Clay Guida loses the first round. He's going to come on strong in that second round, right? Clay Guida also hits pretty hard at this point, training at Team Alpha Male. It seems to be like they've actually developed his game, if nobody else's, whereas... Uh, Clay Guida's game wasn't really developed at all, it seems like, at, at uh, Jackson Winks. But once he joined Team Alpha Male, his hands got faster. He started pop, he started having some pop in his hands. He's more comfortable with them. So pressure, uh, credit to Team Alpha Male for that. Um, he's very conditioned and headstrong. He's got endless heart, and he pressures. And that is a great set of attributes to have against a guy who's known for getting tired. A guy who's not much younger than Clay Guida, but has like a fraction of the experience. Granted, probably hasn't taken nearly as much damage, but I, I like Clay Guida in this one. I think he's going to pressure him, make him tired, and take over in rounds two and three. Yep, I, they were, we're on the same page there. That was going to be my pick. So, nice one. Um, next, there's, you know, this one is... Oh, crap, that got moved to a no contest. I forgot about that. So here's the thing. It's been a while since um, Roosevelt Roberts imbued any sense of confidence in me. Or wait, I, it's been a while since I felt confident about Roosevelt Roberts. Uh, you know, watching him get tapped by Jim Miller, he went into that with a little bit of, uh, you know, I think – a little bit of bravado and then talking all that smack about what he was going to do to Kevin Kroom and getting tapped in 30 seconds. The fight is a no contest. And I look at those last two performances and how, and the pressure he must be feeling, um, walking into it. And obviously in those two fights his propensity to, to get, uh, get caught to make psychological mistakes that lead to fight inning sequences. And then I look at, um, Ignacio Bahamandes uh, performance, against John McDessie in that split decision. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I didn't go back and watch the tape, but wasn't that like a total barn beater thrilling fight? Oh, sorry, between who, Nick? Between John McDessie and Ignacio it was uh, a, It was a good, exciting fight. It really was, yeah. Yeah, and even though it went, it went to the cards and, and McDessie, after, if I recall, getting pieced up in the first round, uh, came back hard. Like I believe John McDessie is a very, very tough like mentally tough fighter. Um, he's been in so many striking wars. He's pretty darn durable. Like Rose, twice now, Roosevelt Roberts gotten out of there and gotten guys have taken him out of there early. He's fighting a guy who is six foot three at, at 155, 23 years old. Like, I just think that he's got a, you know, a lot of upside. Although, I mean, Roberts is 6'2 at 155. This is two, Jesus. This is two big fucking guys for 155. Really? Is, um, yeah. But, I mean, he's re- Rosa, Roberts is really on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, and he's fighting, a, he's fighting a kid who I think just has all those signs of, of uh, you know, when I remember the early Rory McDonald's, the early Max Holloway's. I know those guys both became very elite. But I just remember watching this guy at 23 and being like, holy shit, the way he took it to MacDessie in that first round. You know, what's he learned between now and then? He's got, he's, he's got his, big, his, big, uh, his big UFC uh, fight, you know, his real UFC fight, not on the Contender Series, out of the way. So I'm going to go with the underdog, uh, Bahamandes, even though people are largely picking um, uh, Roberts, and he's also the betting favorite in this fight. I'm going to go against, against that. 
I'm there with you, Nick. I think that Roberts has trouble against crafty opponents who don't go away easily. But he has good hands. He's got height and reach usually in most matchups, not in this one. And he's got pretty crafty submissions. Ignacio is also tall, but a striker with more tools, right? Roberts mostly throws hands. Ignacio throws everything, and he's pretty skilled. The fact that he went to a close decision with McDessie is honestly a sign in his favor. I'm not so sure Roosevelt Roberts would have necessarily had that success. Although you probably would look up his record and see that Roberts has a win over McDessie for all I know. Um, Ignacio, though, more importantly, Roosevelt Roberts has good submissions. Ignacio has good takedown defense, and I think that'll help him avoid uh, his sub game. So I'm there with you. I like Ignacio on this one. I like the underdog on this one, too. Um, I don't know if I'd invest a whole lot of money into this one, but getting him a plus money, I think, is a good opportunity with Roosevelt Roberts being on a two-fight losing streak. My next pick is going to be in the Austin Lingo versus Luis Aldana matchup. I'm going to take Lingo. I'm sorry. I'm going to take Aldana. Lingo hits hard, but not great wrestling defense and like not a whole lot of crafter techniques to a stand-up game. Aldana should be comfortable standing and have the option of takedowns if he wants them. So I'm taking Aldana. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm with you on this fight. Not one I'm, you know, super. Yeah, we're, we're down to our last couple about. picks, so it makes sense. Let me, uh, okay, so, okay, so Saldana for Stan. I just got to take my notes here like an old man. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, I like the upside on B. Malecki. I also feel like she seems, she's a Fortis MMA fighter. She seems like, you know, coming out of, uh, coming out of tough, uh, where she lost, has had a couple of victories, and I think they, I think they think that, I think they like her. Like I think she's pretty pretty marketable. The bad news Barbie out of Stockholm, um, and when I look at uh, Josie and Nunez, I just see like she's done all right on the regional, you know, the Brazilian uh, circuit, but some of these small, you know, smaller fighters uh, coming out of Brazil, their first UFC fights. I don't know. She seems like she's coming in as the opponent to me. Um, so she's much, much shorter, uh, giving up a huge height advantage uh, to Malecki. So I suspect I suspect that, that B is going to piece her up. Yeah, um, the thing about Bay Malecki is that like she's tall and trains with four to seven made. Those are credits to her favor. She's got pretty good overall striking, but... She's kind of slow and plodding, like not super athletic, although physically strong. She's not very fast or explosive, has a good good gas tank and plenty of heart, though, if she needs to kind of make a comeback after a rough first round. Nunes made her career feasting on bad competition in Brazil, um, actually much like Talia Santos, and she has a loss to Talia Santos on that regional scene. And, Talia, and, and she's actually, Nunes has won six straight fights since her loss to Talia Santos going into her UFC debut. She hits hard, but... And, and it's pretty busy, but not the greatest technique. So I, I'm going to take the, the taller Maleki, who's got UFC experience, trains with a good team, has actually faced some decent opposition in her career. So I, I'm there with you on the pick, Nikolai. My next pick is going to be, and I think this is the last one up to Nikolai. Is it just, like, how many picks do you have as of this moment, Nick? How many picks have I made? Yeah, I think one, you made six two. picks. Right? I've, made, I've, made, I've made five picks. I picked Cannoneer, Sherman, Knight, Bahamundis, and Malecki. What was your second You've pick, You've picked Nick? one, two, three, four, five. You've picked five also. Uh, I'm not listing them like that, so I'm not sure. I think my second pick was Sherman, but I can't remember. Fair enough. 
Um, so we actually each have made five picks at this point. We have two fights left. So this is the final pick. And then yeah, I guess we'll leave the I'm fight. I'm glad you got your, your Sesame Street math together. Congratulations. Thank God your daughter can learn something from you. Anyway, go ahead. Nikolai, I would match my daughter's IQ against yours at this point. Two years old, Nikolai. I mean, well, yeah, she doesn't have the CT I have from sparring with Uriah, Uriah Hall. You didn't <laughs> spar with Uriah Hall, motherfucker. Yes, I did. You did not spar with Uriah Hall. Oh, you did never... somebody else on this in this podcast spar with Uriah Hall? I've sparred with Uriah Hall. Jesus, dude, you're such a fucking braggadocious douche. Why do you always have to bring that up? Every show I spar with Uriah go. Hall. I have to go. This episode's over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to take um, in the Trevin Jones, Saeed Yukub. Karamanov matchup. What the f- that was difficult for me, and I am like from that region and speak Russian, just for the record. Um, Saeed Arup is like pretty good. He's fast. He's aggressive. He's going to throw offense at Trevin Jones all day. He's got uh, several knockouts. Um, he has two losses, one of them by decision, one of them by knockout. So knocking him out as possible, although that was a flying knee that he lost by. He actually is coming off of, uh, in his last two fights, he beat an undefeated Norma Gomedov, Sam. That's got uh, to count for something, Nick. Um, I, I'm going to take Trevin Jones. Trevin Jones is going to be less busy. He's probably going to lose the first round. But, man, he's just shown this incredible propensity to just land a bomb after losing every moment of a fight. And the fact that uh, Saeed Yokub took this fight on short, such short notice, he's a super young guy, pretty fresh in his career, about 10 fights into his career, I believe. Uh, for those reasons, I'm going to pick him. But if this goes to the judges' scorecards and Trevin Jones doesn't land a bomb, then Karamamonov, or whatever his name is, could very well win this fight. So not super confident, but given the short notice nature, given Trevin Jones' power and ability to come back, I'm picking him. Okay. Um, you know what? I was wrong, Nick, about my Sesame Street math that you like, like acted like you knew already and it was so obvious. You actually had the last pick uh, between the Sasha Palatnikov Ramiz Brahimaj matchup. Amazing. And, you know, I mean, if anyone's an expert on these two fighters, <laughs> it's you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> 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 as I as I race to topology, <laughs> are you gonna read their records? Like, you're gonna list all the people that they fought. We've never heard of. Is that what's gonna happen right now? <laughs> uh, Sasha Politnikov, who had who did really really good in spelling when he was 11. You no, I've so? got. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm just gonna pick a name out of a hat I'll, here. I'll just quickly say this: Politnikov is the guy who. Like had that comeback win against Luis Koshi in his UFC debut, and then lost to Impa Kasanganai in, in his second UFC. No fight. shame, no shame in that. True. Uh, Ramiz, though, I think he took a short notice bout against Max Griffin, and Max Griffin, like this version of Max he Griffin, pun- is a nasty motherfucker, and he ended up losing. He punched because, his ear off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, his his ear ended up exploding because uh, of because of cauliflower in that third round. Yeah, I mean that wasn't that long ago. That was kind of, now. I, now I want to go. I want to go watch that on loop before <laughs> I go before I eat. I love watching ears explode. Um, fuck. I really don't want to make this pick. Uh, the betting favorite is uh, Brahmaj, I believe. And I assume that's who you're yeah, going to pick and, based and, on that alone. Pal- but Palatnikov is the 68% overwhelming favorite on the topology picks. Is he? Fascinating. So just based on the fact that he – it's tough because Palatnikov had a rough – I mean, Ipikazagne is no joke, and neither is um, – you know, neither is the ear-crushing Max Griffin – True. But um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Plotnikov. <laughs> you know, uh, I've got no reason for doing that other than sheer desperation. I wish that this fight had fallen to you. 
I think I, I'm, I think I'm going to be there with you. Palatnikov, I mean, let's face it, he's coming up. Was it by knockout that he lost to uh, Kasanganai? Did he just get caught? Let me see. No, he got. I believe he got choked out, but it might he have come choked. after. Which see, it's not a great like. It's not a great statistic uh, against Ramiz Brahimaj, who's like a really good submission guy, and mostly that's where he shines. Um, I guess I'll I guess I'll side with Palatnikov. I think he's got more overall skills. He surprised us in his UFC debut. I think he can do well in this matchup. It is odd to me that he's an underdog, and that might be another fight worth investing into If uh, for those betters out there that are listening. Nikolai, I think that'll do it, motherfucker. We are set. What is next? Do we have that uh, that UFC pay-per-view next, Nikolai? No, we don't. We actually, I believe it's the tough finale, and I haven't been watching tough at all. Um, I guess we got but some But I think it's the uh, tough finale, though, huh? and the main event of the tough finale is, is like, it's a good fight. It's like Barbo- it's Barbosa against Chikadze. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, Giga Chikadze. Um, and then, and then we've got the yeah. And then, so that's got a bunch fights, of tough yeah. fights. You got Mir, uh, Mirshot against the the Uzbek wonder Mahmed Muradov. Fantastic. Um, you've got you've got Kevin Lee coming back against D Rod. Um, you got Jamal Emers against Pat Sabatini. Darren Stewart's back already against Dustin Jacoby. That's interesting. You got Wellington Terman coming Cord- back six six weeks after getting knocked out against Sam Alvey. That's crazy. Tracy say- Cortez against JJ Aldridge. I'm excited about. And I don't. Then, I don't um, see that on this. Wait. Wait. You talk. Where are you looking at? I don't see that on this on this card. I'm that guy. Looking. No. That that's canceled already. Oh, uh, that's a Cortez, shame. Man. Cortez. Yeah, I know. Cortez got hurt. Um, we got probably the last stand for Abdul Razak Al Hassan. I think uh, so. I'm I'm, I'm almost surprised he's still in the UFC, but I guess he doesn't earn much. And well, three losses. I mean, three losses. Well, who knows what his contract is? He. I mean, he he, he knocked out you know Nico Price and then you know lost uh, to Minier Lazez after looking great in the first round, lost to Chaos Williams, and then lost to Jacob Malkoon. Um, yeah, I mean, this is his, this is a, uh, uh, he's taken on a newcomer. I'm sorry, not a newcomer. He's taken on a guy coming off two losses uh, who then went and did three grappling bouts who hasn't fought in the UFC in five years, almost, well, four years. And, uh, is that he must have had one fight left on his contract. That's Antonio Braga Neto. So, I can see it. Um, so yeah, quick, quickly, Nick, let me let, let me run through. Town fight. Yeah, let run let me quickly run through our picks for this event. Or My run. first pick was Pantoja over Brandon Rival. Second, I chose Brian Kelliger to beat Domingo Pilarte. My third pick was Vince Pichel over Austin Hubbard. Fourth, I took Clay Guido over Marco Madsen. My fifth pick was Austin Lingo to beat Luis Aldana. And my last pick was Trevin Jones to beat Said Yukub Karamonov. God, that took like six minutes. Your first pick, Nikolai, surprisingly enough, was... Wait, where is it? Where is your first pick? I don't see it. Which one's your first pick? Oh, my, I, you got my, my first pick was uh, Cannoneer, and you made fun of me. Was that really your... The main event was your first pick? That's kind of surprising. Yeah. All right. So your first pick was... Cannoneer to beat Gastelum. Second, you chose Chase Sherman to beat Parker Porter. Your third pick, Nick, was uh, William Knight over Fabio Charon. Your fourth pick was Roosevelt Roberts to beat Ignacio Bra. Oh, I'm sorry, Ignacio Braham Mindas to beat Roosevelt Roberts. Your fifth pick was none other than stalling here. Wait for it. Bea Maleki to beat Josia Nunes. And your final pick was Sasha Polotnikov to beat Ramiz Brahimaj. Nick, I'm feeling somewhat confident here. I think I'm going to end up edging you out by one or two fights, whether or not you have six or seven excuses for it or not. What do you think? Uh, well, I think I'll surprise you, Stan, and I'll have eight or nine excuses. 
Um, <laughs> that will be the surprising part. It's not that you're going to like beat me on points. It's the fact that you're going to have more excuses. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, we'll catch you next week, all you assholes. Bye. Hey, be be nice to the listeners. Jeez Louise. No, Nikolai. fuck that. That hasn't gotten us anymore. No, I'm done. Heel turn. It's over. Fuck you. So you're so you're gonna be the heel now. I'm gonna have to act like a semi nice guy. Although you were. You just count this down. I got paying shit to do. Paying shit. Yeah, I got to do work. There's enough of these these eleven basement dwelling MMA fans that listen to us. You know what, Nick? The fact (laughs) the fact that you're not receiving your checks from uh, from uh, from the podcast is surprising to me. Shocking, even because I had our HR guy on it every week. I thought, but I'm still receiving my checks, so that's really all that matters. Also, it explains my why, why check why my checks come in as double what they should be. The, the only checks getting I'm getting, checks. motherfucker, is check checks mix. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Fair it. enough. Have yourself a great right. weekend, buddy. Uh, it'll be nice to have some fights to watch, even though this is, let's face it, not the greatest card in the world. Not one that we we're all anticipating patiently. No, but that, like every card, you know, Pantoja, Royval, that's the fight fans fight. Yes. They all have a secret. Every single card has, a, has, a, has got a, a, a fight fan main event, and every fighter's card has a freak show weirdo thing, and that's Guida Madsen. Um, it's so like who knows what the, it's just gonna like like yeah anything can fucking happen in that so let me ask we've got you our this we've got our whack it's a wacky fight we've got our wacky fight and we've got our real fight fans fight and the main event's good it's not a pay per view main event the main event is fine it's just yeah it's a good you would have loved to see you would you would have loved to see this fight right as Cannoneer's coming to, down to middleweight and right after Gastelum's coming off an incredibly competitive. Um, Loss to Israel Adesanya because since that fight, Gastelum's had a lot of trouble getting any momentum against real competition. That is true. And let's face it, Gastelum, anytime he faces somebody that's capable and dynamic, he doesn't do well. Except he did pretty well, I would say, against Adesanya. And he did pretty well with the same kind of game plan in his UFC debut against uh, Uriah Hall. Right, that, those he's, have he's, been, looked, he's looked good in plenty of fights. He, I mean, he, he's looked good like, in plenty of fights. Michael, against Michael very Bisping old people, was. Nick. There yeah, is no, there's yeah. no fresh young prospect that he has beaten or fresh young contender that he's beaten, I think, in his entire career. Am I right? I, I'm going to look right now and just tell you if you're wrong or not. He has a, um, like, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, he beat, he, beat, he beat Jake Ellenberg when that mattered. He beat Rick Story when that mattered. Um, no, Jake Ellenberg didn't matter. He lost. He beat Johnny Hendricks in 2016. Um, he also way past he, it. He knocked, Again, he knocked out. Team, in twenty. In 2016, Hendricks was way past it? Yeah, look at Hendricks' record leading up to that fight and after that fight. Let's see. Okay, no, you're now. right. That was that was his second loss after... after okay. Um, I forgot exactly what In fact, what the if, Hendricks... you, if you look at Hendricks' record uh, leading up to that bout, he was 3-2 and two in his prior five fights. So, yeah. like, not, not Yeah, he beat, he beat Tim all. Kennedy. He, when he, he beat Bisning. He beat Jacare. Everybody yeah, right. way past their front. No, you're, 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 you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, like, he's very, I do think he's very talented. I, I've, always, um, I've always liked him. But the fact is he's a welterweight who should be a much, uh, a much stronger defensive wrestler, and his hands at welterweight would serve him better. But the dude just, he, for whatever reason, his body does, doesn't do the weight cut. I don't know. Anyway. I, I agree. The, the uh, fact that he's got trouble making 185 is a concern. But I will also say your, your, the great point you made about his takedown defense, it fucking sucks, Nick. He's been taken down almost 30 times in the UFC. This is a guy with a wrestling background. His wrestling offense is pretty good. Wrestling defense is almost non-existent. Uh, but luckily for him, Jared Kennedy is not likely to go for takedowns. Nick Lavin will do it for this episode. I'm looking forward to connecting next week to break down that ultimate fighter uh, finale. Just go.